Welcome back, horny honeys. It's your girl, Meg, here with my British bestie. V. Hi. We introduced as horny honeys for Brian V's manager. I don't even know if he listens to us anymore, but, you know, it fits. He still asks. He's like, how's like horny honeys or horror honeys or something of that version of double hate? I'm like, good. I don't even bother correct him anymore because I'm just like, it's not going to stick in his brain. <laughs> the amount of times I've told him it's horror hands, it's still either horror honeys or horror <laughs> or horny honeys. He probably does that on purpose, to be honest. Uh, no, he he, a hundred percent doesn't do it. All that. <laughs> That's just him. <laughs> That's just him mentally, but I love it. I enjoy it. I mean, I am low-key horny for the topic that we're going to be talking about today, but Uh. (laughs) I've been watching a lot of the Trixie and Katya videos, and like that's the the only thing that I can think about when I think about Evil Dead Rise, Uh. but (laughs) before we get into our topic today... You guys always know that we're going to do horror news up top, but we have actually something else to talk about first. We're going to do a horror hot take. I wish we had like some sound effects to enter here. Uh, All I'm thinking is like the law and order. I see like the gunshots. (laughs) See, we went very different vibes. (laughs) (laughs) so this has come up um as a topic of conversation with me and my friend ben who listens to the podcast he's a horror fan and i asked him who his favorite universal monster is and this grown man said to me oh i don't like the universal monster movies v ladies is it a red flag to not like universal monster movies as i've said to you already but listen girls gays and days even if you don't like a film or a franchise there is always a character that you're like oh yeah i like them like for me the final destination films i like the doctor because of what he stands for like he you know the theory is that he is a stand-in for death and i love that theory it's really sick But I don't like the Final Destination films. But that's just a personal preference. However, saying that you don't like any of the Universal Monsters and yet still not picking a Universal Monster that you lean towards is childish. It's childish behaviour. You're acting like a year seven. Like, pick one. (laughs) Even if you don't like the film, there is always one that likes, oh yeah, that looks cool. I'm going to lean towards that. Like, as a horror fan, you should know where it starts and starts with universal monsters wow it starts before that but well see we got into like an even bigger debate because we were talking about evil dead and evil dead rise and um i was like okay yeah but it's nothing compared to evil dead 2 right and he looked at me and he was like i haven't seen the originals i've only seen the remake in evil dead rise and i was like this is like I don't even know. Like, this is a travesty. Like, this is... I can't... Like, I I can't believe that you're saying this to me right now. Like, I'm about to walk out right now. Like, I cannot believe this. And he was like, I just can't get into, like, older movies because there's no nostalgia factor for me. And I'm just like, but 80s horror is, like, quite literally some of the best horror movies you will ever watch. Side eye. 
bombastic side eye. <laughs> I, this is when I wish that we were a video podcast because the look on your face right now is hilarious. Listen, you can lean towards modern horror like I do. I lean towards more modern horrors. Not the artsy-fartsy ones like Meg does, but... Fuck you. <laughs> I lean towards more modern. But I do watch the older stuff to understand, you know, like certain tropes, certain why people love certain films. Like, if there's a remake of a film, go back and watch the original one. Like, it, you can't... This is a hot take. You can't say you're a true horror fan without watching all types of horror over all years and here's my thing too is like i've brought this show up several times but like eli roth's history of horror i recommend any horror fan watching that because they go through like you know killer kids monsters alien invasions and they show you like movies throughout the um generations that are horror movies that are very influential and watching something like that you can see and also they have people that were either working on them or really love them film critics talking about it but they also have people who have made newer films that are in the same genre as what they're talking about and if you do not watch older horror movies you almost don't have the same level as respect for newer horror because you can't get all the references like in evil dead rise like there was so many references to the original evil deads that if you hadn't seen them it almost lessens the movie because i know that lee cronin was like really really inspired by the original movies so horror filmmakers today really admire the genre and they look to people of the past to kind of inform them as to what to make today. Exactly. And, you know, with Evil Dead Rise, even if you've just seen, like, the reboot, remake, the re-sequel, sort of whatever it was, um, and then watched Evil Dead Rise, it, I hope it would have opened people to go back and watch, you know, the original trilogy with Ash and hopefully reinvigorate the tv show that was cancelled ash versus evil dead so because when you know you've enjoyed something so much it like inspires something in you to go back and watch the older stuff in that series or maybe dive in deeper of what inspired them to make the film and then watch the films that they were inspired to make that's some of my favorite shit to do is like if I really fucking dig a movie, I'll watch an interview with the director and most of the times they'll tell you what inspired them. And like going back and re-watching that and then you can go back and watch whatever film. Like so me with Ty West, he would talk about a bunch of movies that he watched that inspired his work. So I went back and I watched them and then re-watching his stuff, you can like see the callbacks of those things, which is really cool. So yeah, I don't know, but I just I just needed to know if that was um like blasphemous or not. So fellas, is it gay to have a favorite universal monster? <laughs> I don't think it's gay. I just think it's a rite of passage. I essentially. I don't know. There's something a little gay if like a man was like the wolf man. It's like, oh, I see how you want to get down, sir. Spencer. I mean, <laughs> don't call 
Spencer out like that. <laughs> we love you, Spencer. But yeah, I just oh had to talk to you about that before we went into horror news. It's just, I just think it's childish behavior, year seven behavior. And if you don't know what I mean by year seven behavior, just Google it. <laughs> You'll understand what I mean when I say year seven behavior. You're so funny. But V, do you have any horror news for this week? Because honestly, there's been a few things that have caught my eye. Oh, I wonder what it was. Could it have been the first picture that we got of Maxine? Oh my god. Mia Goth is so fucking sexy. I, oh god, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, this first look of Mia Goth with Halsey for the sequel that is Maxine. I'm so excited for it. Like, just from that one picture is like, okay, she's going to be a stripper. Mm. Like, oh, she's going to be a prostitute. Mm. Like, there is something, obviously, it's going to do with sex I was about to say, she's going to be a sex worker, yeah. In X, she was, you know, a porn star. Could potentially she's moved on to a strip club of prostitution? Well, she was stripping before. Um, so yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, I think I sent you and Spencer in our group chat a TikTok of somebody that was on the set of Maxine. That set looks fucking amazing. Like it's plastered with like 80s posters, like Tears for Fears and NXS and like all the outfits and just like the the set of it just looks great and 80s is definitely my favorite year like the 80s is my favorite for yeah. horror so i'm time period y- yeah that word um, um <laughs> so i'm super fucking stoked about this movie but yeah that first look that's not even what i was talking about but like yeah man I'm very excited for it. Even though Pearl is still not available for home release yet in the UK. What the fuck? I'm still not fuck, Mate, don't <laughs> even get me fucking started. I am so fucking pissed. <laughs> We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. Anyway, um, for me, one of the exciting things that we had was an official um, Saw X logo. And that it was gonna it's gonna be released October twenty seventh. Not something you're excited about, but it's something I'm personally excited about. Yay. Um we've got a title for the upcoming first instalment of David Gordon Green's Exorcist trilogy, and it will be titled The Exorcist Believer and be released in theaters October thirteenth. The amount of horror movies that are set to come out in October this year. Woo, it's going to be a good month for horror. Listen, I'm very excited, honestly. We've already had so many good horror films this year, which we'll get into when we get into talking about Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. But it's just, there. yeah, something very exciting is happening. But next thing is Hammer Studios is bringing us a modern twist on a classic horror tale. Dr. Jekyll is currently in production with executive producer Christian Angermeyer, who did Army of Thieves and Filth. Honestly, I'm excited for a for a Jekyll and Hyde movie. I think that's if they pull it off, can be really fucking sick. 
I honestly think Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is such an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm someone who loves the uh, the portrait of Dorian Gray. Like, that is one of my favourite stories. Um, So I feel like I kind of, like, lean towards Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because it kind of has that feeling. You want to know what I could recommend to you that has both of those, well, all three of those characters in it? That you haven't finished yet, you fucking bitch. Penny Dreadful. Why did I know? <laughs> Wait, you stopped at the second mm. season, which has my favorite episode in it. I will get round to oh it, God. okay? Says the person who's, like, not even caught up with Yellow Jacket season two. I'm yeah. a busy gal. I'm a busy gal, too. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, um... Oliver Park reportedly is directing a new installment of the Blair Witch Project Project, (coughs) words for Universal Pictures. The project is looking at a late summer slash fall shoot. There is a witch in the woods and we never get to see her. I don't... Sounds about right. I don't need another one of them. Please, just stop. I mean, they tried to reboot it. So the original Blair Witch was, yes, very innovative with the way they did the um, advertisement for the film. Created a whole website, made that, made it feel like it was an actual real story and people actually believed it was. The second film, which was a straight-to-video release, I believe, was uh, eh, not great. Not great at all. And then obviously we've got a reboot, which does anyone even talk about the reboot of the Blair Witch? I was about to say I've seen the reboot of Blair Witch and I genuinely cannot tell you anything about it. Like it's poof gone from my mind. So if that tells you anything about if you need to watch it, maybe I do need to rewatch it and I'll like it, but Yeah. But like I, I honestly can't remember anything that was special about the reboot. When I think of the Blair Witch, I think of the original film, and that is it. As you should. As you should, because it was quite good. It was changing, life-changing for found footage. Yes, it was. That's pretty much what I've got. What horror news do you have? So, you kind of, like, segued me into one of them. Um, Speaking of one of our favorite found footages, um, footages? 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 I, f- I think you were mixing like fetish and footage together. Which I mean, like, found footage is kind of like a fetish in a way because, like, some people really fucking love found footage movies, which um, you should go watch our um, found footage. Um. <laughs> great plug. Yeah, great Excellent. plug. Um, but uh, there's going to be a game called Paranormal Tales. Um, and from what Fangoria tells us, it kind of looks like an interactive VHS game, which is super kind of crazy. Um, any interactive horror games like that is, um, whoo, that's why I can't play games. Um, it says that it is from the studio Digital Cyber Cherries, which is low-key a really cute name. Um, but it says that this found footage horror game looks to combine elements of Outlast, the VHS franchise, and maybe Skinamarink. V, you're the, um, video game girly. 
of the pod. What do you think about this? I think if done correctly, it's going to probably be as good as Until Dawn. Ooh. Um, because Until Dawn, well, super massive games really took on the interactive game to a new level when they released Until Dawn and then obviously the Dark Pictures trilogies. Um, So if done correctly and has a good story and they don't rush it, it's going to be really good. Otherwise, it's just going to be swept under the rug. Like most games that try and take a punt at this sort of game oh so style so speaking of sweeping under the rug we're just gonna sweep under the rug the fact that i played until dawn for two days got to chapter six and then i haven't played it for at least seven months um we're gonna sweep that fact about myself under the rug v you look very fucking disappointed um i'm so sorry i let you down no this is what you do you you've warned me about you like with tv shows you will watch a tv show and then you just won't watch the last episode ever well here's my thing too i keep telling myself I'm like meg you can play again and get a different outcome but like i really don't want to kill hayden panettiere so i'm scared um <laughs> the more you think about it the more you'll probably kill her so just do it i already know that like you really can't kill her until the final qt and like i'm not very good with those so i'm scared another like very brief uh horror news is that they are going to remake Witchboard and Jamie Campbell Bauer is going to be starring in it. So I'm super excited about that um, because he is very pretty to look at. <laughs> he is very pretty to me. <laughs> to me. Okay. And the, to me. the biggest horror news that I'm low-key surprised that you didn't bring up is that there is going to be a Beetlejuice 2. Michael Keaton is yeah. set to star. There's yeah. talks that um, our girl, Jenna Ortega, is going to play Lydia's daughter. Um, and they've also announced that Danny Elfman is going to return to score the movie, which, solid. I'm super excited. Beetlejuice is one of my favorite movies. I think I will be more excited when I hear more cast announcements. Mm. Yeah. Because at the moment, like, yes. It's very exciting. We're going to get a Beetlejuice too. However, until I know what kind of plot it's going to be and what cast it's going to be, I'm going to be very dubious because Beetlejuice does have a special place in a lot of people's hearts. And if the sequel so far down the line, like they did with Hocus Pocus, does not live up to the original, then I don't want to get my hopes up. Do you really think that that's going to be the case, though? Because... To me, I feel like because Tim Burton and Danny Elfman and Michael Keaton are coming back, I feel like there's still going to be, like, Tim Burton almost never misses, to be honest. I'm, uh, listen, I'm just very, very dubious because we've been burnt before when yeah films have gotten continuation so far down the line from the original, like Halloween, mm. Hocus Pocus. Mm. They were slated to be really good and live up to the, like, you know, original, originals. And they weren't. And it kind of fell flat. I I just don't want to get super excited for something that may not live up to the expectations I've put in my brain. 
for it. Our regular listeners should already know that I'm the optimist and you're the pessimist when it comes to new releases. So I'm excited for it. Honestly, it could just be a bunch of outtakes of Michael Keaton being silly goofy in his Beetlejuice attire. um, And I would probably be happy with it. But I'm kind of curious to know if we're going to still get shrunken head Beetlejuice with this movie. <laughs> that would be very fun. That would be very fun. I I love my Keaton. And the fact that he could, he's going to be reprising two roles that he has previously done in over the years. Like he's in the new Flash movie. Mm-hmm. He's coming back as Batman. He's going to be coming back as Beetlejuice. Like this man. Is making his money. He's making bank. He said, let me get my bag. It's dwindling right now, um, but I have a plan to fix that. Hello, movie studios. I'm back, baby. Let's fucking do it. But I don't think we're going to get that much news about things. I don't think so either. Um, Because um, as hopefully people are aware, there is a writer strike Mm -hmm. going on with the WGA. Um, And you know what? power to them have you seen some of like the picket signs they wrote uh, honestly no i knew that there was a strike going on but i haven't really even been on social media so i if you do just look at some of the signs they've written because oh my god they are so fucking funny okay perfect like (laughs) they are hilarious I stand with them striking. Like, they should get their back because films and TV shows are nothing without the writers. Yeah, 100%. Like, you don't... So... You can't make any sort of cinema or television without having such a strong writer or writing team. And we've talked about this before where, like, movies have super cool effects or, like, a super cool character. And it just crashes if the writing is bad so that to me writing is one of the most important aspects of anything um Mm -hmm. so good on them i mean yeah i mean mike flanagan is out there rahul is supporting mike while he's out there um rob no honestly they've been they're out picketing and you know a lot of people where are they things out can i find them uh LA babes, LA. But like a lot of like celebrities are cancelling things in support of, you know, the strike because, you know, you don't cross the picket. Correct. Let's just say that horror news might be dry, maybe in a couple of weeks' time due to the strike, but hopefully the writers can get paid the correct amount for streaming services because when things go on streaming, that, that, check just disappears because they're not getting paid correctly for the writing they've done and also apparently so you know they'll have writers on set so they can do like on set rewrites quickly yeah they want to make that unpaid they basically want to make that an internship are you kidding me no dead ass that's ridiculous (laughs) uh exactly exactly so you know what I don't even care if TV gets boring after a while. Like, pay these people. What the fuck is wrong with America? Like, this is so fucking sad. But I will tell you something that had really good writing. Mm. Mommy's with the magus now. (laughs) 
speaking of which, I think I sent you that screenshot where a kid just messaged me and was like, mommy. And I said, mommy's with the maggots now. They did not answer me for five days. They just came back and said, I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, clearly they don't keep up to date with horror because this film was fucking excellent. Yes, this film is fucking fantastic. I gave you guys kind of like a spoiler-free review before V went to go see it, but V has seen it now, and this is probably going to be chock full of spoilers. Yeah, V? Oh, 100%. We can't. There's no way we can do this spoiler-free. Like, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I need to talk about certain scenes and certain things in this film. It's been out for a few weeks, right? And, you know, if you haven't seen it by now, what the fuck are you doing? It's still in cinemas. What are you doing? Because this has cleared in the worldwide box office over $100 million. That is so exciting. Like, I literally get goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah. Like, it had a budget of um 15 to $90 million. And it's made a hundred million dollars in the fucking box office. Swing. A horror film. A horror film. We are truly seeing a horror renaissance. Like we've had Scream Six, we've had Renfield, we've had Evil Dead Rise, we've had The Cabin, The Look at the Cabin, we've had Megan, we've had Infinity Pool, and we've still got so many more films to come. Yeah, like we talked about it in our 2022 review. Like there were so many good horror films in 2022. And like honestly, 2023 is coming for their throats, okay? Because wow. It's so exciting, so exciting. And I has this outperformed Scream 6? Do we know? Let's see. Because I have a sinky feeling that it's either close to or it has. As of April 29th, Scream 6 has grossed 108.1 million in US and Canada. Worldwide has been 168.9 million. And Evil Dead came out, what, two weeks ago? So it's possible. It is very likely that this will outperform Scream. I think what is benefiting, better benefiting Evil Dead Rise, it's an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half long. Like, when we say we love a short movie, we fucking love a 90-minute movie. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, Lee Cronin. Like, I cannot thank you enough. I'm down at your feet right now, like, just, like... <laughs> bowing down to you because we are not worthy <laughs> literally though <laughs> um so just to talk about him a little bit he's an irish filmmaker and his original short ghost train um was met with a lot of praise i haven't gotten a chance to watch it but i definitely am going to and his last film was in 2019 called the hole in the ground and Sam Raimi met with Cronin after The Hole in the Ground and they talked about future collabs and the fact that this is what they collabed on like that is the fucking collab of a lifetime. Literally like just think about Lee Cronin's filmography so far. He has done four short films from 2004-2013 right? His first feature-length film was in 2019, which was 
a hole, the hole in the ground. And then he goes on to make one of the best profiting horror films in 2023 with Evil Dead Rise. He is going to absolutely, I think, be one of the new to watch horror directors. 100%. It's the fact that you have the paintbrush and you're hitting. <laughs> you're so excited. <laughs> I, need, I need to emphasize it because honestly, everything about this film. I was in awe of, like, I took Alice to go see it and she was very dubious about it because from the trailer, you know, it looks very, like, it's going to be very gory and very bloody. And it was. (laughs) But, it was, but, and Alice doesn't like that, but, oh my God, she is obsessed with Maggot Mummy now. Like, have you, like, if you, you haven't been on social media, but her social media, she is just constantly talking about Maggot Mummy and talking about Evil Dead Rise because she enjoyed it so much. Someone that was like, oh, lots of gore. I'm not sure about this to going, I'm absolutely fucking obsessed with this film. Just goes to show how good Evil Dead Rise is, you know? Yeah, and I really credit that to the fact um, he told Fangoria that, like, he is a massive fan of Evil Dead. So he really drew exactly what we were talking about earlier. He drew inspiration from the originals. And he was just like, how are we going to turn this a little bit on its head? Which, it was actually his idea to change the setting to like a more urban setting he wanted to play on the fact that maybe you really don't know the evil that's next door to you and i felt like he still was able to respect the fact that there was a cabin by just having that even if it was just for a short chunk he still gave that to the audience he still gave that to the og evil dead fans a hundred percent and you know what i think we were all a bit cautious about it being set in a apartment building because we were like well evil dead's always been you know in a cabin in a woods apart from you know army of darkness which was set in the medieval times but (laughs) anyway we were all a bit cautious about it but the way they did certain shots the way they told the story was uh, just so excellent and really does embody the love that evil dead has also the deadites in this film oh my god so what i honestly think is interesting and we've talked about this before is that not only is it like oh the evil that's living next door but it's also could be like a pandemic sort of inspiration because these people are locked in their homes and whatever is crawling around outside is completely unsafe but yes those deadites they have more of a human look to them and that's on purpose like don't get me wrong like i do love like the silly goofy over the top original wacky deadites but there's something so like sinister about these people they still show humanity in that character which is super frightening and that was done by design Honestly, Alyssa Sutherland as Ellie was absolutely magnificent in this film. And the way that she portrayed Deadeye Ellie and then Mother Ellie was so, like so heartbreaking, especially when she, Ellie, normal Ellie, got took back over her body to talk to Beth directly and was like, 
don't let it take my babies protect them like do it sort of thing especially in the end scene my heart broke Mm -hmm. in that car park scene but Alyssa Sutherland's oh my god sexy sexy lady I was gonna say Spencer said it best when he was like I could fix her because yeah (laughs) Yeah. she was spectacular like like we said, like she is our maggot mommy, and I truly feel like I feel like she is going to go on as one of those characters that every horror fan is going to know. Yes, she did an interview 100%. with I think Collider, um, talking about what it took to get this performance, and she said that she tapped into her repressed feminine rage, and like for that, we thank her. <laughs> Honestly, it, you should be following her on Twitter. Oh my god, yeah. She has been posting so much behind the scenes yes. footage of Evil Dead Rise. And honestly, thanks to her, like we get to see how grueling it was doing the training for certain scenes, like the elevator scene. Oh yeah. Which one of my favorite scenes by far. Can we also, before we move on from the elevator scene, can we also just give like a major round of applause that we didn't have any sexual assault in this movie? Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it because that elevator scene was definitely a homage to the, you know, woodland tree scene. But I really love the way he did that scene. It was it looked so painful and the way that she was yes. able to like contort her body in that, I was like, oh my god. The way they were all able, like the actress who plays Bridget, like when Gabrielle she's doing Eccles, the counter scene. I think. Yes. The way they all comported their bodies in this scene, well, in this film, was just adds that extra layer of like this is very unnerving and something is taking over their body to make them move that way but like the shot of um ellie in the elevator when she's lifted up her body's all contorted and she screams and the lights blow out oh my god oh chills so good yeah and like i know that you had mentioned earlier talking about like the family aspect and just I know that we had talked about it earlier, um, like, a few episodes previously when we were talking about Evil Dead Rise, about how we were, like, kind of nervous that it's going to be, like, centered around a family. But I almost think that that gave you an even more devastating outcome when you watch the conclusion of the scene, but going through and it's, like, methodically killing these, this family one by one. So watching that elevator scene and knowing that it's the mother like the heart the central center focal point of this family is the one that's going to be doing all of this is Mm -hmm. just just so fucking heart-wrenching a hundred percent and when we do my research for this a lot of people who were reviewing you know talking about evil dead rise really brought up the way that it was kind of a way of portraying motherhood Mm -hmm. as well beth and ellie depend on each other because their mother didn't they didn't have a good relationship with their mother we see ellie trying to do everything to provide for her children and we see beth who we find out is is an expecting mother 
that she's so unsure of whether or not she's going to have the baby because she doesn't think she'll be a good mum. And throughout the film, we see Beth becoming more and more sure in her decision to keep the child because she's having to defend her sister's kids from the evil that's taken over her from her mum. And then we see the children getting, you know, taken out one by one, essentially. And then just Beth being left with Cassie and Cassie saying the line to her, it's like, you're going to be a good mum one day, Auntie Beth. And then Beth's like, oh yeah, why? And Cassie's like, because you know how to lie to kids. And I think in that moment, it solidified to Beth, like, I need to protect my unborn baby and I need to protect my baby Cassie. Speaking of unborn baby, what I thought was, oh my God, like blood curdling is when Ellie is a deadite at this point and she starts going after Beth and she's like, oh, I get two souls. And I'm like, oh my God, that just made me like, ooh. And she starts like digging her claws into Beth's stomach at that moment. And you're like, and you're like, please, no, no, no. I'm all for like, kill kids, you know, (laughs) kill kids in horror film sort of thing. Um, But in that moment, you're like, please, no, don't. Beth has been through enough. Like, she ha- <laughs> she has been battered, okay? Lily Sullivan's performance as well as Beth, oh. so good. Like, I love the character of Beth because she's kind of like this rebellious sort of character that you meet in the beginning, and she's having to completely, like, change her worldview just from finding out that she's pregnant, but then, like you said, protecting these kids. But she, yeah, she goes through a hundred percent i actually would love i think i've seen a few people talk about it i would love to see mia and beth team up that would be hot it would because the the way lily portrays beth really gives me like the vibes of how jane levy portrayed mia like a very woman that's like having a hard time dealing with a certain situation that they're going through like for mia it was like coming off drugs and they were isolated in the woods so she could you know go through the motions and then we see Beth who basically is so disconnected from her family and then finding out she's pregnant to then go back to her family and try and be like sis what do I do in this situation like please help so like it very it feels very parallel to each other in a way they're such strong characters, and I love that we're getting very strong female lead from Evil Dead. These new directors that are taking on Evil Dead, they're definitely playing into the times because they know that, like, women in horror now, when there's a final girl, people go fucking crazy for her, especially if she's a strong character. A hundred percent. And I think even Bruce Campbell, because, you know, he's kind of retired, not really officially retired, but has retired Ash. He's retired from Ash. Yeah. Yeah. I think Bruce Campbell was really like looking back and going, this is the legacy of Evil Dead. And like he's basically handing over his crown to the new generation. And the fact that it's females taking over the helm of Evil Dead, considering in the original trilogies how the females were treated in Evil Dead compared to now, massive change. I will just say that Ash, I mean, in the original Evil Dead, was the unlikely hero of the story, which I think is interesting because you're kind of seeing that now in horror. 
But interesting that you bring up Jane Lovey's character of Mia and Lily Sullivan's Beth meeting up. I think that it's potentially like it could happen. One thing about the interview that uh, Lee Cronin did with Fangoria, and I've seen him talk about this too, I think also with Collider, the Necronomicons Mm. in Army of Darkness Um, Ash goes to find the book and he ends up coming across three. It's said that like each book has its own personality in a way. And Cronin said that Raimi's is like the origin, the beginning, like the old, ancient. The most powerful. Yeah. And um, Fede Alvarez's is like a display of brutality because that movie's pretty fucking brutal. But he says that he thinks that his book has the most life to it and it has the most character. Yeah, I think he said that his one is basically the new one that was introduced in Army of Darkness. The one that had the most personality because it wanted blood. Yep, it wanted blood. It was alive. I was about to say, like, this one moves, it drinks, it has fucking teeth. Um, And mm. honestly, he's basically saying that each one of these books has its own story that's circled around it. So if there is three books, technically, in a way, they could link up and be like, what did you experience? What did you experience? And kind of like their Necronomicons have like a coffee date. Yeah, like a little coffee date. <laughs> so I think that it's possible that that could happen. But to be honest, I think that this Necronomicon was my favorite. It was so interesting. Like, I find it so fascinating, all the different takes on the Necronomicon, because as a D&D player, the Necronomicon is in Dungeons and & Dragons. And I feel like in D&D, the Necronomicon is very similar to the original trilogy, Evil Dead Necronomicon, mm-hmm. with the way it looks and the way it feels. I think it would be so interesting if the third Evil Dead film we get in the new era is the is the third different book, which ties back to like Ash's mm-hmm. Necronomicon. It's like Ash's Necronomicon. And then in the fourth one, we get all three of the protagonists oh my God. teaming up to get rid of each of their Necronomicons. That would be hot. That would be very hot. I would be like, yeah, that's hot. Like, how do we make this happen? That would be, oh, I don't know, no one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I want it to happen. But even then, if that doesn't happen, it'll be so interesting to see where they do take Evil Dead now, considering how they basically have, in, like, you know, made money from this installment from it. Yeah. And I'm just so excited to see where Evil Dead goes with this because. The original trilogy has a special place in like a lot of people's hearts. Not some, because they don't watch it. <laughs> but all. Oh. Shots fired. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't think you can appreciate the new Evil Dead films without watching the original trilogy. That's what I was telling him. I was like, you have to watch it. I mean, there's so many callbacks from the original. I mean, they use the original title sequence sound. They use the original wind sounds. They use the original fly sounds. Like, that was a big thing is like trying to pay homage to this this legacy that evil dead has and just there were so many things that you could appreciate so much deeper 
if you've seen the original Evil Dead movies. And I I just think that if you don't watch the OGs, you're doing a disservice to yourself. I think not even a disservice to yourself. I think it's doing a disservice to the films as well. You're not getting their full value. Exactly. Because when you watch Evil Dead 2013, you're not going to understand the end cameo of Bruce Campbell. Because that basically confirms that Evil Dead 2013 is in the same universe as the original OG trilogy, which means the OG trilogy Necronomicon, which does time travel, is in the same universe and is out there still. I know. I'm I'm super happy that they chose to not stream this because originally it was set to just stream on HBO Max. But new management came in, and that's when we actually saw the return to New Line Cinema, which is who released the original Evil Dead. So I definitely am so happy that they chose to actually give this a theatrical release. Um, I think that they filmed yeah. this in New Zealand during the pandemic. And so there was like a bunch of like I read that they had to like mm. stop for nine weeks filming and like it just took a lot to get this movie out. So I'm glad that they that they put it in theaters because the money cannot lie. No well, it had it had a really strong test screening yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Like, really strong. And I'm so glad that they listened to the test screening because not a lot of studios do listen to the test screenings. Yep. Or listen to, you know, the public when they're like, hey, that looks weird. Don't do that. Like, you know, yeah. when people are uproar with how Sonic the Hedgehog looked like, they changed how he looked. That, you know, it, it really does matter when the studios listen to the people that are going to be putting their bums in the seats to watch these films. It, I think it would have done this film such a disservice just putting it straight on streaming. Yeah, like we're out. We're we're no longer gonna have pan like a pandemic lockdown. Like World Health Organization have said like COVID is no longer a, like you know a worldwide like threat sort of thing. Even though you know it's still out there, so it's not go out. <laughs> but we sh- we should be encouraging people to be experiencing films in cinema again like that's the only way you studios are really gonna see who cares about what and honestly the fact that evil dead has been out for a couple weeks and it's made a hundred million dollars in the box office in i think that's just the u.s no that's worldwide oh well 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 there you go there you go so it's gonna make more and people um people are willing to go see it and again i think it's also down to do it to be like a 90 minute movie as well yeah. <laughs> i will say i saw this movie with a packed audience like it was the first night that it was released the certain i want to talk about certain scenes specifically we can talk about them because of the audience reaction i don't know how many people were in your theater but one of the first scenes, the scalping scene, got the biggest reaction from the audience. Yeah, that as one of the opening scenes for this film really set the tone for it. Holy shit, yeah, it did. Like, it was, oh, like you you could audibly hear people go, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> it was like, shit. And honestly, the lead up to that was scary when she was reading 
the same, like, saying the same things that her friend was reading aloud was, like... I think it was her cousin. Oh, yeah, cousin um, was reading aloud was, like, all the hair stood up on my arms. I was like, oh, oh. we're about to get it, aren't we? The, the oh, Like, just the whole opening scene before we get to the apartment, like, you know, one day earlier. Yes. That whole sequence. Like the way they did the very first scene of like the way the drone was moving in and out of the trees and stuff like that too. That was the callback. Callback to how in the original films the deadites presence, the demons presence was portrayed to us as an audience and the way they modified that without like saying like this is a deadite, like it's like a drone that mm. just mimicked how the deadites act. And then we get two after the scalping. Holy. Back at the lake. When she stumbles on, we talked about this because we've talked about it a little bit, but we talked about it with Spencer. When she stumbles on to that dock, I was like, holy shit, how did she make it from the cabin here? Like, I would have just like laid on the floor. <laughs> I would have been like, it's yeah, over I, for me. I. <laughs> I want to know how long that walk was from the lake <laughs> to the cabin. I just, I just need to know in my brain because yes, you could still, pro- you could still survive that with, you know, the adrenaline. However, you're in, you're in like the woods near a lake. Your, your brain's gonna be exposed to like the wilderness and shit. That's like, what I'm saying. I would have just been like, oh my god, <laughs> like I'm just gonna lay down here for now. Like it's absolutely fine. But when the cousin who has been possessed by the dead eye pick like grabs the drone mm. and like puts the blades close to her face and then she gets in the lake and the cousin's like don't go after her don't do it like don't she do it. and the boyfriend is so fucking stupid stupid like i love that the men in this film are like not very smart <laughs> like it's such a difference from when the females are i love when men act stupid. i love when <laughs> i love when cinema mirrors reality yes <laughs> <laughs> but then the lake starts turning red and oh my god we get the title sequence oh my god Oh my god. I still, I literally, talking about it gives me chills. And the way people on social media talk about that title sequence, it is so, uh, like, speechless. Like, it's so breathtakingly stunning the way they did the title sequence as she's rising from the lake. And as it she gets, like, higher, the title sequence just, like, starts rising from the tree line. Yes, with music, with the soundtrack. Yeah, the one thing I didn't like was how heavy they put the music into this, like the sound, which was done by design. I just, I just didn't quite like it. If they had only did the huge, humongous sound for the title sequence, I would have been perfectly fine because that was fucking rad. I'm really excited for it to be on home release so I can watch it over and over and over again to be honest. Yeah same. Like it's like it's one of them ones that I will just put on a loop constantly <laughs> to like soothe myself. It'll become my new comfort film because let me talk about one of my favorite scenes. Yes. The fucking hallway scene with the peep shot. Oh my god. That is probably one of my favorite sequences in cinema today the way they did that peep shot scene and the like the 
I think about it so often because it's so visually stunning to me. Like the <sighs> thing that really fucked me up about that scene. And I will be like 100% honest, like I watch, like we watch a lot of horror movies, so not a lot of things stick with me, but the scene where Ellie was sitting with her back to the peephole singing really kind of got under my skin. There was something about it that was yes. just, it it scared me. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't like visually scary, it was just like an emotional reaction. Unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Very unsettling. The way like any of like any of the scenes that had the whole way of us viewing it through the peephole are my favorite like the sequence of when she's uh, ellie's pushed into the hallway and the door is locked behind her and beth is looking through the peephole and basically watching her murder all of her neighbors Mm. and like in that scene was just amazing and like the way that we couldn't see like ends of the hallway but we could hear oh. and the lighting excellent and then we get um cassie through the peephole watching her mum and her mum is just like open up now oh my god yeah open up. that was really scary but what was scary is the fact that they were trapped in that house and i knew it literally from the moment it happened i was like bridget's going down Bridget is going down because of of that tattoo gun. And when she started, like, freaking out, number one, I'm like, why wouldn't you go and tell your aunt what, what the fuck was going on? So at least, but I know she's scared. Like, she's young. I understand it. Yeah, but at, at, at the same time, it took her Danny how long to tell Beth about the Necronomicon? Literally, though. And the vinyls. Don't trust teenagers. Okay, that's the moral nice. of this movie. But... Something that really fucked me up was when they decided that Bridget was dead after the cheese grater scene. Now, hold on. Did you like the cheese grater scene? I kind of wish that they didn't show it in the trailer because I think it would have had more of an effect on me if it wasn't in the trailer. And I think if it was a bit more gruesome as well, then it would have... Like, if she kept, like, going over it, you know, not just doing one long streak and that was it, that she's greater scene was over. I wish, like, they had, like, when Bridget was doing it on Beth's leg, she had done it multiple times over it. So we really got some, like, gruesome, like, you know, cheesy effect <laughs> with the leg. No, that's <laughs> my thing is, like, if you're going to show it in the trailer, like, the aftermath better be fucked up. Um, yeah. If not, just don't put it in the trailer. But that was a really big audience react. Yeah. You know me and how I feel about trailers showing certain scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it's one of them that I wish they did not show in the trailer. Yeah, same. I think it would have had, I would have had a bigger reaction to it if it wasn't in the trailer. Uh, or it was a bit more gory. Yeah. So we're on the same page with that. But it's it's the scene that we get after that, which also plays into how ellie gets back in the house which is the look on her face when she saw that cat and like it hit her like i can go through the air ducts was terrifying let me tell you when <laughs> when that scene came up me and alice are our cat moms. yeah like we love our cats we both turned to each other and we we're like i hope she doesn't kill the cat <laughs> That was it. We didn't care about the kids die. We were like, no, don't let the cat die, please. <laughs> that was creepy, but 
There is something about people in sheets, I'm talking Exorcist 3, that when people covered in sheets walk behind somebody, it's fucking scary. I'm scared. It's fucking stupid, but I loved it so much. It reminded me of, like, something out of Scooby-Doo with someone like a sheet over them just going, woo. (laughs) I don't know why it scared me so much, but literally, like, when I came home, like, we went to, like, lay down, and it was super late. And I like got up and the hallway was dark and I was like, gotta turn this light on, gotta check for people under sheets. (laughs) (laughs) But once Ellie got back in the house, that shit was fucking nuts. When both of them were like going at it was intense, but we actually got the best line from this whole entire movie is when she gave the line, these titty sucking parasites. I lost my shit. Like, I lost it. I don't know if I'll ever be the same. <laughs> like, the, I think the most con- out- iconic lines in this film come from Ellie. Yeah. Let's face it. Dead Eye Ellie ha- says the most outrageous things and are just so fucking hilarious. Like, it's like, oh my god, slay girly. Give it to and them. That's, yeah. That's kind of what I liked about this movie more than like Fede's film is that this almost had like a little bit more of an element of comedy to them which Mm. again is why I liked the original Evil Dead so much but yeah when she said that I lost my fucking shit dude. I think that's why like Army of Darkness is my favorite because like the humor in Army of Darkness is so fucking stupid. (laughs) I love it like Oh my god, so I just fucking love it. But this, oh, just oh, oh, the elevator filling up with blood scene. Oh my fucking god, I was so stressed out during this. And did you know? Okay, this kind of blew Val's balls off. They used six and a half thousand liters of blood on this set. That mm-hmm. is crazy to that's me that's sexy that's sexy that's so fucking sexy i love it but like that just goes to show how effective practical effects are because if, if there's anything about evil dead is that practical effects is its number one goal and that scene while also getting basically amalgamation of <gasps> ellie danny and bridget and all of Dead and Eyes. all of the people in the hallway oh my god yeah like i will say like those simultaneously going on at the same time was just like butt clenched. i was like, literally oh like god, butthole oh non-existent like i'm clinching so exactly. hard exactly and the the smile dead eye ellie had on her face oh. the whole time Oh my god, Alyssa Sutherland needs to be in more horror films because she... Yeah, I want her in everything. That smile alone is so fucking creepy, but sexy. Yeah, I loved the effects that they did on these Deadites. Like I said, they're not as wacky as um, Raimi's or even Fede Alvarez's, but they had... It's almost scarier that they had like a touch of humanity still in them because it just gets you like this isn't right. Like, this is a person and, like, this is not right. This is not a creature. This is a fucking person and mm-hmm. I'm scared. She's smiling at me while she's morphed with, like, seven other people and I'm I'm very scared right now. Yes. Yes. But, like, 
the I love the fact that we don't see the amalgamation until quite near the end of the film. Like we just are anticipating seeing how gruesome it looks because when the blood is filling up with the elevator and like Beth is trying to open the escape hatch at the top and we just start seeing the arms coming through of the amalgamation <laughs> and then the elevator hits the weight limit and just fucking drops and then boom shining reference elevator doors open yeah that was hot for me um but let's just talk about the parking garage scene mm. i think that they did it super effective by not showing us what the creature looked like i will say i'm pretty sure yes. they showed us in the book which those drawings in that book were fucked up Yes, but but showing a drawing to actually seeing the amalgamation oh, yeah. are completely different because when we do eventually see the amalgamation, it's like, that is fucking disgusting. Yeah, yeah, it was. But I'm saying, like, it was almost like a tease. <laughs> so when that actually happened, yeah. you were like, oh, shit. Like, that is so yeah. crazy. And again, several times in this movie, I turned to Val and I was like, yep. That's getting used to kill somebody. Yep, that's getting used to kill somebody. As mm-hmm. soon as I saw that chipper, I was like, I looked at Val, I was yeah. like, yep, that's getting used to kill somebody. And, whoo, yes. that was crazy. It had me on the edge of my seat when they were going around the car. Yeah. Oh, my God. My, my butt was, like, literally clenched the whole time because I was like, even... A- when they were going around the car, I was like, they're still being too loud. They're still being too loud. Oh my God, they're being loud. Yes, but I will say, like, they <laughs> he did not let up in that scene because you have that, like, chase sequence and then you get the wood chipper. And for me, I'm just kind of like, okay, Cassie is clearly extremely scared at this point. Like, good on her. Like, this is fucking terrifying. But it's the fact when we thought that we were going to lose Beth in that scene it was just like relentless i was just like can i get a second to fucking breathe here i i really do love the pace of this film as well like before we you know talk about like the end part the pace of this film just kept it going and going but it wasn't too much no it gave us enough like the scenes were enough for us but in like probably the last i would say half hour of the film it just was like go 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 constant go go but i loved it i loved it so much and when beth has the chainsaw (gasps) (sighs) i love a good chainsaw in evil dead movies (laughs) i was gonna say i know that i can't necessarily get hard but i was hard in that moment yes Oh my god. I was just like, rev that motherfucker up. Let's go, bitch. Let's do it. Literally, when when she had it and she revved it, I was like, I literally was saying to myself, groovy. groovy. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally saying groovy to myself in that movie. Oh my god, yes, dude. There is nothing like a chainsaw in an evil dead movie. It just makes me so Absolutely. happy. So happy. Oh my god. As I mentioned earlier, because obviously Beth had listened to the um record where it's like only, you know, full body, like, you know, decapitation sort of thing is the only thing that will solve it. So she starts, you know, hacking at the amalgamation. The only thing that's left of the amalgamation is is Ellie. And we see, like, human Ellie 
come back to the front and just gives her a nod to be like, do it, please, just kill me sort of thing, like, end it. That made me so heartbroken that even after everything we had just witnessed, she was still in there. Yeah. She was probably, she probably had witnessed the whole thing and she couldn't do anything about it. And in that moment, she could and she basically was like, please, like, end it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, we never have seen that. I don't think we did. In Evil Dead because, and I did, I know it's definitely not in the originals because, or the 2013 reboot because they have, like, they can break into normal but i still think that yeah. that's the demon manipulating things like trying to get its way like the dead eye is trying to manipulate the situation to make these people think that but i genuinely think that in this film there was still shreds of these people inside of them yeah. which made it more difficult when the end scene happened yeah uh like it was just so heartbreaking but then when beth took that fucking chainsaw to ellie Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. I mean, like, the more I think about it, I think I give this like a four or four and a half. The more I'm like, five star that bitch because I cannot wait to rewatch this because I'm going to find so many Easter Same. eggs. Like, I know that there were already mm-hmm. some that I caught, but there's going to be so much more, I think. And yeah, this movie is rad. Well, I'll give you one that you'll probably be like, that's so exciting. The pizza place is called Henrietta's. A reference to Henrietta, the demon, and the basement of Evil Dead 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Raimi Henrietta. Oh, God. Rewatching that um, a few weeks ago on Easter, I just, like, it was on a big screen, like a projector, and I was just like, this is fucking amazing. Like, who allowed them to do this? But, oh, I love that. I love it. Yeah. And one thing I do enjoy about this is that apparently when they were shooting Evil Dead Rise, they shot everything in chronological order as well. Oh shit, really? Yeah, apparently. So I'm just like, okay, that's quite interesting that they shot it in chronological order. Because you don't really hear of people do that. Yeah, Cronin did say that um, the last days on set is when they used the majority of their blood. So that makes sense if they were shooting the elevator scene and then the parking garage scene um yeah last because that's where you get the bulk of the blood but um yeah i didn't know that that's pretty interesting i do kind of see why mm. you would want to shoot those last because you're using so much fake blood that you're probably going to ruin your set but um yeah that's super cool yeah it's quite interesting because you know probably a lot of people who you know aren't really like movie buff buffs don't probably know is that things aren't shot in chronological order they're shot out of sequence so the fact that they you know he made the decision to be like let's let's just shoot in chronological order was quite interesting i do want to know when they shot the first first like scenes we see in like like the wood lake part i want to know when they shot that. oh yeah that one might have been a little different but for all we know what this movie tells us the Deadite just transferred its energy into that girl. I think her name was Jessica, but... Yeah, I think so. But, like, as we saw in the very opening sequence, Jessica isn't dead. Nope, she sure isn't. Deadite Jessica isn't dead. So, that, that even though there's not... People complain, like, oh, where's no ending sequence? 
at the very, very, very end, like at the end of the credits, you hear a fly. Mm-hmm. You hear it. So, you know, of course there's going to be more evil deaths. Of especially. Of course there is. Like, especially, yeah, especially after how much fucking money it made. Yeah. Like, it made money. Yeah. Like, of course there's going to be more evil dead because evil dead films don't have big budgets. They don't. Yeah. Like, every single evil dead film has not had like a massive budget. Like me saying, you know, fifteen million to nineteen million dollars isn't big budget, but compared to like a lot of Hollywood films, that's not a lot. No. No, it's not. So I will just say if they keep putting out Evil Dead movies, I'm gonna keep watching them. So Well V, I felt like this was a super fun episode because also, to remark, this is our 50th episode. For some reason, I feel like that's a pretty big milestone. I think it is. I think it is, you know, we've had some breaks here and there, but, you know, I think it's quite fitting that our 50th episode is Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Because we we ju- we love the Evil Dead franchise. I definitely general, think it's and... one of our favorites. Yeah, it is. It, you know, we... we both got different Evil Dead films that are our favourites, but the whole franchise basically means, like, you know, a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm super excited that we covered this. Covering our favourite franchises always makes me super happy, so I'm glad that we got to talk about yeah. this today. But yeah, and you know, we're still we're still in our silly, goofy mood era. And, we sure you know, are. Evil Dead is just so silly, goofy, because mm-hmm. of the Jedis and the shit they say. <laughs> Yes, like titty sucking parasites. Um, <laughs> but yeah, always with the max now. I can't stop saying that. Like I truly cannot stop saying it. Me neither. Okay, I'm so glad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this movie definitely we highly recommend to any horror fan that has not seen it yet. Um, I don't know when it'll be streaming, but it's definitely worth going to see it in theaters. No matter if you're seeing it with an mm. empty audience or a packed crowd. Go and see it in theaters so we can keep getting Evil Dead movies made and not go straight to streaming. But yeah, I think that that's pretty much all I have for Evil Dead Rise. V, do you have any final thoughts for today's episode? No, I think we covered everything. I just want, you know, more Evil Dead, more Deadites, more hee-hee-ha-ha mummies with maggots now, funny. And I will just go ahead and say, I think that it's safe to say that this one is for the true protector in this movie and someone that we just can't live without. This episode goes out to Staphne. We couldn't have made it without you. Thank you, Stephanie. Big ups on you, we Stephanie. We appreciate you. Heart eye emoji, girl. Heart eye emoji, girl.